I'm Jessica Harris. This is From Scratch. My guest is Philip Krim, co-founder of Casper, a company focused on sleep. Casper's leading product is its mattress, which can be ordered online and delivered in a box to your door, sometimes within hours if you live in New York City. The company keeps it simple by making a one-type-fits-all mattress for consumers and believes that more choice does not mean more comfort. Casper was launched in April 2014 and had $1 million in sales in its first month. Philip is a graduate of University of Texas. Welcome. Thank you. I want to talk about the number of years one spends sleeping. So if you're, let's say, you have a lifespan of, let's say, 80 years, that's like 25, 26 years, right? Like It you... is. It's about a third of your life. Uh, so it's, it's a, an incredible amount of time. And that was something that, that we took very seriously when thinking about designing our mattress was that it's one of the products that you interact with the most. Now, you had a lot of experience with mattresses. Even before you founded Casper, you had sold about 40,000 beds. Uh, while you were a sophomore at University of Texas, you had started a company called the Merrick Group. Can you describe how you came to sell 40,000 beds? <laughs> Is that right? Uh, yeah, I, over a decade that, mm-hmm. I, that I ran that company mm-hmm. um, and really uh, kind of fell into that category uh, very accidentally. So um, with the Group, I was basically looking to avoid getting a summer job when I was in college and had the idea to build websites for products that a manufacturer would then drop ship to customers. And we sold products like window blinds, futons, tickets for sporting events, poker software, uh, and randomly met some mattress manufacturers and sold some mattresses. And, and that's how I learned about this category. There's two parent companies today that own the four biggest manufacturers in this category. They work very closely with retailers to make sure that consumers don't have transparency about what they're buying. And that allows them to keep pricing high and it allows them to keep margins high. And that forces you into a store where you're greeted by a commission salesperson who's highly trained at getting you to spend a lot more money than you have to. So we all have had that experience of going into, let's say, Sleepy's or Bloomingdale's and, you know, laying on the mattress for eight seconds and be like, yes, this feels right. Like, <laughs> you know, it's so hard to really tell the difference between one and the next, it drives you crazy. The reality is, and and what we have said since the beginning was that the only way to know if a bed is right for you is to sleep on it. And oftentimes it means sleeping on it for many nights so that your body can readjust to proper anatomical support. And that's why our mattresses come with a hundred night trial. And if at any point you don't love the mattress, just call us up and we'll come pick it up. When it came time to start Casper in 2014, what led you to decide to, to jump into the mattress or the sleep category? I know you had had that former experience, but I mean, you could have picked anything. So honestly, it was uh, one of my co-founders, Luke, asking, why is there no Warby Parker for mattresses? So it was uh, one of your other co-founders that coincidentally mentioned mattresses without his even knowing that you had this experience in mattresses. Yes. And when they quickly learned about my background, uh, you know, they they just thought that was an amazing coincidence. And um, it it led us to talking about kind of people's sleep habits and and just a, a conversation that we kept coming back to. And we were, we were in the same, four of the five of us were in the same co-working space, and so we were literally sitting next to each other. So you all met kind of accidentally. Completely serendipitously. Where was that co-working space? It's in New York. Uh, it, it was uh, on the, the west side. One of your co-founders is Neil Parikh, and yes. coincidentally, too, his dad happens to be a sleep doctor? Yes. There were uh, a, a lot of uh, amazing coincidences that came together. Did you work out of that space together because it had brought you together? 
No, we did not. We were working out of hotel lobbies. We were kind of bouncing around coffee shops. Uh, eventually, ended up in a different co-working space down in Soho. At that time, it was just us and an idea, and you know, we had no money, and and it was just trying to put together the pieces that we thought we'd need to uh, launch Casper. And why the name Casper? So the inspiration of Casper was actually Luke's roommate at the time. We thought it was kind of funny because Luke's roommate is um, like a six-six British guy who did not fit on his twin mattress at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we kind of all got a chuckle out of that, and, and we dismissed it at first. And when we got back together the next day to, to think more about names, and we had what felt like a million names on the list. It was the one that we just kept coming back to. I'm Jessica Harris. You're listening to From Scratch. My guest is Philip Krim, co-founder of Casper, the online mattress company. Casper is focused on providing a better night's sleep for its consumers, starting with its mattresses, but extending to other products such as its pillow and sheets as well. Casper also publishes Van Winkles, a website focused on all things sleep. I want to talk about the simplicity. Like when when you just said, said in, among the five of you that that you were just going to make one mattress, one mattress, that's it. Were you initially skeptical or were you all kind of, yes, of course? Honestly, we didn't go into the whole business saying we only need one mattress. It was more of, uh, let's see what we could build and let's see if people liked it. And it turns out when you combine the materials the way we combined it, Everyone loved it. It didn't matter if you said you wanted a firm mattress or a soft mattress or a medium mattress. People loved it. And so as a result of all of this consumer testing, we said, why build another one? How did people find out about the mattress initially? I mean, I did not see any marketing in the early days. Was it all word of mouth? So we raised uh, our seed round was $1.85 million, and we raised that before we launched. Uh, we launched the bed on April 22nd of 2014, and we were fortunate to have a few people write about us uh, and, and report on what we were doing, uh, that we had raised some money and that we had built this mattress, and we had just taken a very different approach to an industry that hasn't seen innovation in a long time. Much to our disbelief, people woke up, they read these articles, and they started buying beds, and, and we didn't think that was going to happen. And then the second surprise was that the people that bought the bed, the people that got the bed, started talking about it on social media. They were taking pictures of it, and uh, one of the most surprising things were how many people were filming the unboxing of the mattress. And that's something that's really unique about uh, our experience, is that the mattress comes to life in a box that's about the size of a mini-fridge. Where were those initial articles? Uh, it were things like TechCrunch. It was very kind of startup-focused outlets. Um, and I, I think, namely, they covered us because we had some funding from some great investors, and uh, and no one had really heard about kind of a, a mattress startup taking venture capital money. Was this your first time taking venture capital? It was, yes. And what was that experience like for you? Ben Lear of Lear Hippo Ventures led our seed round. Uh, they're one of the top seed firms in the country. How did you meet him? Uh, we met him. We were actually introduced to him through our branding agency. This was actually after we had been told no by dozens and dozens of investors. And so, you know, we at this point, we were feeling a little dejected, and we had complete confidence uh, that we were going to do this no matter what, even if we didn't raise a penny. And then, of course, you know, we meet Ben after we're told no so many times, and Ben just immediately got it. Why do you think you got so many no's? So I think there were a couple of things. Um, one is that traditional angel and venture investors in this space always think about things in lifetime value. And how could you possibly have lifetime value if you're just selling them a mattress? 
And what I would come back with that is saying that the mattress industry is huge. Over $14 billion a year is spent by consumers in the U.S. at retail on mattresses. So, you know, that's a that's a big pie we could get our, our small piece of. Uh, and they, it just didn't resonate with them because it's not how you traditionally look at e-commerce businesses. Uh, that and then at this time, again, we weren't live. And so we didn't have our brand fully baked. We didn't have our experience fully baked. So when someone comes and tells you, oh, I'm going to build a really cool mattress brand that's that's going to be totally different than anything out there, you know, it's hard to wrap your mind around that. And so I get it. It does take a, a leap of faith, certainly, to kind of see what we see and and. Um, and then come Series B round, you raise $55 million and um, included in that, in addition to the Pritzker family and institutional venture partners, are celebrity investors like Leonardo DiCaprio and Tobey Maguire and Adam Levine of Maroon 5, the, the, the band. Um, how, did, how did these guys come in? You know, it's funny when you tell people just how terrible the mattress buying experience is, whether you're a professional investor, an institutional investor, or just a celebrity or angel investor, uh, everyone kind of gets the opportunity that, that there's a space that's big and really important to people, sleep and sleep products, and it's really broken today. So with them, it was just, you know, introductions from other investors or from other friends. And uh, it's great to have them uh, on board because they get how it takes to build a brand, whether that's your personal brand or a, or a company brand. In addition to uh, having this products company, you also publish or fund a media website called Van Winkles, which is focused on everything sleep related. Why is it called Van Winkles, by the way? Van Winkles goes back to um, the early days when we were trying to come up with a name for uh, the business, I was championing Van Winkles. I thought it was a great name, and it's named after Rip Van Winkle because he fell asleep for 40 years. And uh, I ended up getting outvoted, and we ended up all liking Casper more. So Casper became the name, um, but Van Winkles just always stuck with me and with the founders. And so when it came time to launch a, an editorial venture, we thought it was the perfect homage to the, the beginning days of Casper. What was your your thinking surrounding that? Just that one would fuel the other, kind of? Um, honestly, the idea was that we thought sleep was such an interesting subject, and yet no one was owning or kind of uh, furthering the conversation around sleep. Sleep is so universal. Everyone needs a, a night of sleep. And yet everyone has such a personal connection to it. You know, we even talk about at Casper how there were big health movements that, that changed the way people thought about healthy uh, living and well-balanced living, and whether it's exercise, which happened you know decades ago, or healthy eating, we think sleep is kind of the next big pillar on that. Ten years ago, people were bragging about how little sleep they got and, oh, you were an investment banker who was getting crushed at work and you, you stayed all, and pulled an all-nighter or a student. Now you don't hear that anymore. I want to talk about operations uh, in, in the early days. You had trouble with fulfillment in the early days because demand kind of outstrips the supply of the mattresses. Um, can you talk about that? Absolutely. I, I mean, what a hot problem to have, but go ahead. <laughs> it's uh, it, it was it was really painful. Um, you know, at its peak, I think customers were waiting six to eight weeks for mattresses, and and that was something that drove us crazy because we knew these customers, you know, were were giving us good faith to to try the product, and then to to be so delayed was really painful. So the first day when we realized we were going to be out of stock, 
uh, and we realized people were not going to have a bed when we promised them, Neil thought of, let's just send them an airbed that we could buy on Amazon and ship, ship directly to consumers or to our customers. And so we were we were scrambling, pulling out our credit cards, buying airbeds for customers, shipping that, saying, you know, we really apologize. Uh, here's a gift to you so that you have something to sleep on. And it took us many months to, to build up the proper amount of uh, supply capacity. And mm-hmm. it was a, a, a huge struggle in the business. But uh, fortunately, it's it's behind us. And, and now we're in inventory positions and, and ship on time within 24 hours. Whose idea was the bike? Uh, honestly, we didn't even know that the box would fit in the beginning. And so we were just looking for courier partners on, on literally the launch day to deliver some of these beds. And so the couriers pulled up on this cargo bike and we were just like, let's see if this fits. And it, it fit perfectly. It's actually become, I think, one of the more iconic images of the brand in the early days was this cargo bike with the mattress on it. And I think the bike had matching colors randomly. And it's been awesome. You have a, a showroom in, in NoHo on Bond Street, and people can kind of just come in and try the bed out if they want to. You also have one in L.A. and some pop-up stores. When you thought about the business initially, was it strictly kind of an e-commerce company? The day we launched, we had customers randomly coming by the office, knocking on the door and saying, I'd like to try the mattress. And so we quickly set up the back third of our office uh, as a bedroom. And so Anytime someone would come in, we'd happily greet them and, uh, you know, offer them iced coffee or water and let them try the bed. And uh, it w- it stuck. There's no ground floor presence, so you would only find out about it if you looked on our website or our mobile site. But every day we have tons of people coming by and laying on the bed now. I want to talk about uh, your personal life. Uh, you grew up in Texas, in Houston. What did your parents do? Uh, so my dad's always been an entrepreneur. He's originally a New Yorker, but um, he had ran his own fishing boats out of Sheepshead Bay in Brooklyn in New York. And in the late 70s, when the oil business in Texas was picking up, and specifically offshore oil in the Gulf, he had taken the fishing boats and converted them to offshore supply and crew boats that serviced rigs in the Gulf. And so uh, that's when he moved down to Texas, and, and he met my mom. And uh, again, that was late 70s, early 80s, and so he did that for most of my childhood. You mentioned that you avoided conventional jobs. What what were one or two that you had, if any? Oh, uh, I mean, when I was when I was in high school, I, I would have a summer job at one of the local country clubs, um, working there. Uh, Doing what? Uh, just um, running the uh, the food cart around the course. Uh, that was one, or just you know at the clubhouse, um, kind of just a variety of jobs. Uh, one summer before college, I worked at a software company that was developing technology so that companies could monitor chats within the company for compliance issues. So lesson learned is don't talk about coworkers on chats at a company where they monitor your chats was, was something that... Uh, you don't do at Casper. Do. yeah. <laughs> uh, and how about your mom? My mom, uh, she's currently working in Houston, uh, but growing up, she was a stay-at-home mom. And do you have siblings? I do. I have a younger sister who's a nurse. You know the term sleep tight? Yes. Uh, do you know where it comes from? Uh, like, I have... could guess, but I'm not certain, no. People used to sleep on or do sleep on like ropes, right, on the, for their mattress. And if you pull the rope tight, it ensures a, a good night's sleep. That's interesting. I will have to read more about that one. That would not have been my guess. (laughs) What was harder for you than you thought in the early days? Because, you know, you had such great traction and acceptance from consumers. And yes, you had the hiccup uh, with inventory. But what has been harder for you than you thought? 
so one thing is is hiring is definitely harder than I thought, and no one no one told me as a founder how much time you would just have to spend with hiring, and uh, certainly when you're a young company, you know, no one knows how it's going to go, and you know, again, people perceived us as this mattress company, so how could what you're doing be interesting? So hiring was certainly a struggle where we spent a lot of time. Another thing that was maybe not harder than I thought, but uh, something that was just interesting was this founder dynamic. And so three of my co-founders had known each other for a long time. They went to school together at Brown University. And so, uh, you know, Jeff and I were, were the new guys of part of the team. And uh, in looking back, it was so important. And, and we just had become very good friends. And, and I think it's just because we, we spent so much time kind of thinking about the business and, and even outside of that, just, just having fun as friends. And so it's something I, I probably took for granted that, that you need to do and, and invest in, and, and it's just worked mm-hmm. out great, though. Well, you're lucky that you were able to navigate that with, you know, five founders and not two founders. Tremendously lucky. I mean, mm-hmm. five five co-founders is very rare. What might I not know about you? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, recently married. What is your wife's name? My wife's name is Kimberly. And what does she do? She just got her master's from Columbia in public health. How did you meet her? I uh, I met her actually on the roof of my building in the city. Um, so one of my friends went to Syracuse University with her uh, as an undergrad, and he was visiting us from L.A., and we were both friends with him, and so he decided to combine friends so that he could see everyone uh, while he was here, and uh, we just hit it off there. When did you meet her? It was before Casper. She saw kind of when I got excited about the idea of Casper and... Uh, tells the story fondly of me kind of waking up in the middle of the night saying like you know this this could be something really exciting and then uh saw the five of us get together and and go for it you know you'd say in the middle of the night you'd turn over and you know what were some of those conversations what what are some details maybe about uh that you might remember (laughs) you're you're asking that question made me think about it's um on van winkles we talk about all the time how looking at blue light is bad for your sleep and when you look that's why you're not supposed to look at your phone when you wake up in the middle of the night because it's uh then harder to fall back to sleep and inevitably i always still look at my phone and then the light comes on and then if she sees the light, she'll say, what are you thinking about? And so that will spur random conversations at times. And to this day, I still look at my phone, even though I know that's bad for sleep and, and not proper sleep etiquette. <laughs> In fact, you guys should take the phone out of your room. We should, yes. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's funny. There was tons of, like, prescriptive sleep content out there. You should take your phone out of the room. You shouldn't look at your computer before bed. And just things that, like... I'm a big sleep advocate, and yet I would never do those things because it's just not going to be conducive to my lifestyle. So how many hours of sleep did you get last night? So unfortunately, I had a, a dinner work event, and so I didn't get home till later than I w- would have liked. Uh, so I probably got six and a half, seven hours. It's not bad, but I, I'm someone who needs a lot of sleep since I was a little baby. <laughs> and, and as my wife will say, gets cranky when he doesn't get enough sleep. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. My guest has been Philip Krim, co-founder of Casper. If you would like to learn more about the show, please visit our website at fromscratchradio.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at Jess G. Harris or find us on Facebook. I'm Jessica Harris. This is From Scratch. From Scratch.